Imagine having a bra that you actually want to wear. And maybe this seems inconceivable if you don't already own a bra by today's sponsor, Honey Love, which has transformed the bra game. With Honey Love, say goodbye to underwire and bulky fabrics that trap heat. Honey Love is so comfortable, you may even forget that you're wearing it. Now is the time to spring clean your bra drawer. For a limited time only, you can get Honey Love on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com slash birthful. Support our show and check them out at honeylove.com forward slash birthful. Now, currently, I have been very partial to my Honey Love Silhouette bra. It is super soft and it has these really lovely 3D printed velvet details that actually add support. And I can even crisscross the straps in the back. Also, like all of Honey Love's bras, it features supportive bonding that eliminates the need for underwire without sacrificing lift. I can tell you I'm never in a rush to take it off. Plus, Honey Love also has incredibly comfortable shapewear, matching underwear, tanks, and leggings for everyday support. Treat yourself to the best bras on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com birthful. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off at honeylove.com birthful. And after you purchase, they're going to ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them Birthful sent you. Treat yourself to honey love. I'm a huge fan of preparation and prevention, and one of the most impactful and immediate ways to influence maternal and infant health is through nourishing nutrition. But honestly, when was the last time any of your providers had a meaningful conversation with you about eating habits and prenatal supplements? Prioritizing nutrition can truly change perinatal health for the better, which is why when talking about prenatal supplements, I'm proud to partner with Needed. They've redesigned the prenatal vitamin from the ground up based on the latest clinical research and in-practice experience of testing thousands of pregnant people's nutrient levels to know what they actually needed, not just to meet some bare minimum needs. And what I always tell my clients is that even though they're called prenatal vitamins, you should continue to take supplements during postpartum and beyond because your body still needs so much nutritional support. I love that at Needed, they understand this and have different plans to make it easy for you to meet your optimal micronutrient, microbiome, and protein needs. They have a fertility support plan, a plan for each of the four trimesters, and a lactation support plan, just to name a few. Needed is recommended by nearly 4,000 doctors, midwives, doulas, and nutritionists, and is proud to be the first perinatal nutrition company that's B Corp and climate neutral certified. Head over to thisisneeded.com and use code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. That's thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of Needed products. Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada and in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the postpartum period during covid Postpartum can be a difficult and very isolating time of life, no matter what. And that's why building your village of support ahead of time is so incredibly important. But what do you do when your village is also in isolation? How can you and your partner support yourselves and each other during these times? Perinatal relationship specialist Ellie Taylor has answers. Stay tuned. The Birthful Podcast. Talking to maternity pros and new parents to inform your intuition. Hello, hello, mighty parents and parents-to-be. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Birthful. If what you hear is helpful, you know what to do. Make sure you subscribe. It is free, and that way you will not miss a thing. 
Now, with all that is going on, I have been thinking a lot more about the new challenges for postpartum families. And we know that the postpartum period can be really hard. That's why I have a course. And setting up a solid village of support is key. But how do you navigate that when everyone is social distancing? That is the conundrum, isn't it? One prong would be to figure creative ways to strengthen your virtual village. And the other one is to get a better grasp on what the situation will look like for you and your partner and the emotional and communication challenges that you are both going to need to navigate. There are many ways that your friends and family can still support you from dropping off meals to mailing you essential supplies, gift cards, or even to picking up and dropping up your laundry. Why not? And may I suggest that, in fact, during these times where people just can't come by to visit, your close friends and family can really step into the role of helpers rather than just visitors. Also, any pressures of having to entertain, get dressed, or having the house clean because you don't know who may want to stop by has been lifted. So it's not all negative. There's less FOMO if everybody's isolating. But if you need more specialized support, I'm happy to say that there are a whole bunch of postpartum professionals now providing virtual services so that new parents can still access those valuable services and support. So a shout out to all the mental health specialists, lactation consultants, postpartum doulas, sleep educators, and any other postpartum support specialists who are doing this, who are taking their their services online. And if you don't know who to reach out for this, I would suggest that you first connect with your local parenting groups to see who is providing virtual services in your area. And if that isn't available, then check out the list of resources that we've been putting together at birthful.com slash COVID. That's the Birthful COVID resource page. Uh, well, and if, by the way, you are a birth professional offering virtual services and would like to be included, then email me at info at birthful.com. Now, for the second prong, remember I said there were two prongs to this conundrum. The first one is the support. And then the second prong is how do you and your partner support yourselves and each other through this time that is already challenging in the best of circumstances? Well, to help us with that, I am happy to be talking with perinatal relationship specialist Ellie Taylor. Ellie, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me, Adriana. And I love that we actually got to meet in person between our first show and this one. So I can actually picture you and Feel the hug. <laughs> Me too. We got to have like a very delicious dinner out and a walk at the beach and everything. We were at a conference together. It was great. It was. It was. It's just so much nicer when you've actually, you know, met the person in, in real life, isn't it? Really nice. So much so. And for the listeners who haven't had the privilege of meeting you in person or listen to our previous episode together, I will sh- link it on the show notes. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Okay. Well, my background's in relationship counselling. Uh, I was a relationship counsellor and a parent educator for about 20 years now. And I always had an interest in the perinatal period, so the, the period of pregnancy and postpartum, because I noticed as a relationship counsellor um, how my husband and I were going through massive life changes and some new relationship challenges uh, when we had our three kids. And so it's always been a passion of mine, both personally and professionally, to support the mental, emotional and relationship well-being of uh, expecting a new parents. Um, that's me professionally. Personally, I'm uh, the wife of a firefighter, the mother of three, I call them kid adults now because they're teenage or, or young adults. Um, we have a whole bunch of pets. I live near the beach and I love snow skiing and hiking and reading and movies. Yay. And that beach happens to be in Australia. I must ask, like, what is the... Uh, feeling energy climate like right now in Australia with everything we're going through in this pandemic? Oh, wow. That's a big question. But, um, you know, I guess like everywhere else, we've got some individuals that are coping quite well, some individuals that are falling apart. Um, 
we've got increased rates of domestic violence, which is uh, really worrying, increased rates of alcohol sales and probably abuse. So behind closed doors, it's, it's pretty dire for some families. As a nation, it looks like we're actually coping really well. So we've got high testing but low um, infection rates. Um, so our Prime Minister has... I guess, had the benefit of seeing how other countries which were affected early on managed the crisis. And uh, so we're testing um, per capita, like it, um, quite quite high compared to the rest of the world. And because of that, we're able to move, I think, quite swiftly um, with people who are infected and likely to infect others. And then our um, mortality rate, thankfully, is pretty low. I think we've had 83 people pass um, as of this morning, which compared to other countries is, is, you know, awful for the families of those 83 people, but comparatively we're coping pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's it's interesting to hear what other, you know, we are so far physically removed but we're all together in this experiencing this these very strange times and you and I were talking a little bit before we started recording on how there are a lot of overlaps between what we are experiencing as humanity right now and the what a couple experiences during the postpartum period, during those first few weeks, that can be very isolating and filled with lots of emotions that take you to your edge. Absolutely. And, you know, I was having this exact same conversation in a number of groups over the past couple of weeks, and that's that, you know, everybody, the whole world, is having to deal right now with what postpartum couples have to deal with normally you know we are having to deal with massive life changes we are having to deal with a complete upheaval of the work life family balance you know where we put our energy and our focus into and we're having to deal with the social isolation uh, which we know can contribute to feelings of depression where you know as, as as a world it's just it's just mind-blowing and yet I'm really hoping that one good thing that will come from this um, pandemic is greater awareness of what postpartum couples are having to cope with normally and the need to prepare or start preparing um, couples during pregnancy with what the postpartum period is really like. I really hope that this will result in more support, well, more preparation, ideally, more preparation during pregnancy for the postpartum period and more support postpartum for couples. And I think usually the the preparation gets focused on what things are you going to need and what how to accommodate your house and things for the baby. It's very baby-centered. And then... The next step is you're going to need a village of support. So find your village and extend that. But clearly that is not enough. And especially now in this time of pandemic, it's it's, it's so hard to do because it is we're all isolated. So it's really hard to find that support from your village when people can't just drop by whenever, right? So what are some of those things that people need to prepare for even more when they can't rely that much in their on their village oh that's just so true what you've said is just beautiful adriana it's you know there is this massive gap in preparation and you know so when the wheels do fall off often um often often if the wheels are going to fall off they will fall off in the postpartum period and you know that's and 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 so couples don't have or parents don't have supports in place ahead of time and yet during pregnancy you know we've got these months and months to set this up for couples we've got months for couples to actually prepare um for what they might need in the postpartum period so we're really not you know taking advantage of this time and it's funny because we even call it expecting and i really think that we should call it preparing (laughs) instead you know rather than just 
expecting that life begins when the, the the baby comes we should call it preparing so that we're preparing for 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 that period of time and i think also there's just such a hyper focus on on birth and on providing support for birth which is really really important because birth is is the beginning i guess in in a lot of ways but we kind of treat it like an endpoint, you know, like we kind of treat it like, okay, prepare for the birth and then off you go on your own. And I think that creates, you know, a bit of a gap for, for, for new parents. And so, and then you said too, that, you know, we go from, okay, um, preparing for the birth to, and then getting your support system. But I guess the gap for me is how, mums um, and dads can support themselves and also support each other um, through into and through all the changes and all the challenges that we know are normal for new parents um, and which we can start to prepare them for ahead of time. Uh, so I guess, um, you know, the things that we see um, that expecting a new parents need preparation and support for are things like managing their expectations, managing their expectations of um, themselves, of each other, of the baby and of life with a new baby. Uh, that's one big area. The other big area is uh, communication and conflict. We know, for example, that 92% of parents um, before the pandemic, I would say it's 110% of parents now, but we know that before the pandemic that 92% of parents were likely to have more differences and conflict in their relationship. Uh, and so this is, again, something that we can prepare parents for ahead of time and also then provide support for afterwards uh, because new differences, having to, you know, navigate, negotiate new differences in your relationship can then have a ripple effect um, for a lot of uh, parents, new conflicts can lead to increased risk for anxiety or depression, uh, which we know can be more common during the postnatal period or the or the postpartum period. Mm -hmm. And then the third area is um, intimacy and sex. We know that you know having babies um, can create new challenges for intimacy and for a couple's sex life for the connection generally and again this is something that we can prepare couples for ahead of time and help them to navigate afterwards so they're the main three areas that i see uh, couples needing preparation and support for aside from you know the social support and the support of the village. Yeah, and I want to get a little bit more into each of these areas just to suss out what that means for them and maybe give them some things that they can do to better prepare and be more ready for what's coming. And I also want to clarify that the reason we're focusing on the parents and preparing for postpartum for in the pandemic is that you know the baby not much is going to change for the baby babies are just babies they don't even know pandemic is happening right so they're going to have the same needs and same expectations but it's more they are a beautiful distraction right now <laughs> right right focus on your baby and your baby's needs and you know it doesn't and the world outside will just go on <laughs> well and somebody recently uh, sent me a message saying that their postpartum was wonderful because they felt they had it almost gave them an excuse to focus exclusively on themselves and nothing else. Yes, I'm hearing that from a lot of lot of couples and families, and I think it's beautiful. You know, we teach nest building um, in becoming us. We teach that you know the postpartum time is a time of nest building, and it's where you hunker down and you focus all your attention and energy on nesting, resting, and bonding as a new family. And that's a beautiful thing to do for a month. You know, to, to, to everything else can wait. The rest of the world can wait. Your, your, your task now is to rest and nest and bond. And that's all. That's all you need to do right now. And that's, <coughs> excuse me, that's the best beginning for your family anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And usually that time, if we are very type A oriented and wanting to get things done and the checklists and have, you know, that expectation, right? You said managing expectations, that expectation that, life is going to go 
on as it was, but just with baby is is a really difficult expectation to have. And I often tell parents to think of postpartum as a really weird vacation, just because when we do vacation, we tend to be good at that, tend to be good at letting go of to-do lists and who cares if you slept in or what time of day it is. And nobody does, you know, you don't you do your laundry and you don't cook your food. Um, other people do it for that. So that mental adjustment of expectations, I know that the, let's start with the mental adjustment of expectations, then we'll get to the how during the pandemic. But um, when you were talking about expectations, managing expectations about themselves, each other's and in each other, what what are some of those expectations that need to be managed aside from, you know, the the feeling you need to do it all? I think the big one is that you've already alluded to is that life with a baby is about fitting the baby into your normal life. And babies don't work that way. <laughs> babies babies don't like to be, you know, kind of fitted in. It's kind of I tell couples it's not about trying to get back to normal. It's about working together to create the new normal that's right for your family. And that's a big adjustment for some people because it can mean letting go of some priorities and it can mean for some parents a new way of thinking about life. Um, and I have to say I think that it's, that's a, a bit harder in North America where your culture is very much about achieving and, you know, being an individual and being the best individual that you can be and and it's, it's, it, it, it's all about doing. Some cultures are not like that, you know, and in some cultures this shift I think is easier in Scandinavian countries. I think in Australia it's easier we're a little bit more relaxed. Um, we don't place as high a value on on, ach on achievement necessarily. Um, so I think that this is particularly challenging for North American couples. Um, so it's about being <laughs> rather than doing. It's about listening to our natural rhythms and our baby's rhythms and about adjusting our lives around the rhythms that are natural to us, whereas we can often be very disconnected from ourselves in that way. You know, like just to give you a, a, an example as a new mother, I remember being so disconnected from my own bodily sensations that I would be hungry but not eat or I would be wanting to go to the toilet but not going to the toilet because I was so focused on meeting my baby's needs that I really lost sight of my own. Um, and so it, I really had to get back in touch with and I know this is true for a lot of new mums, getting back in touch with what my body was telling me and, and listening to those signals. Um, and so I think our expectations have to be really um, in line with what's best for our new family. And that may not be at all what we thought would be best for our new family. So it's really about getting in touch with what I need to be to cope with these changes, these life changes, and what I need to be happy. And for me, that's all about connection. It's about being connected with myself as a person and about being connected with my partner and with my partner being connected with themselves. Mm. And let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk more about that connection and working on communication and conflict. We'll be right back. Did you know that Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths per day? That is so many breaths. Now, according to the EPA, the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases, up to a hundred times more polluted. So then what is the solution for cleaner indoor air? For me, it's Air Doctor and their line of superb air purifiers that have captured the attention of established media outlets such as CNN, Money, ABC, and many more. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% .99 of dangerous contaminants so that your lungs don't have to. 
This includes all kinds of pollutants, such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses that can make you sick. Plus, Air Doctor comes with a 30-day breathe-easy money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code BIRTHFALL to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. And exclusive to podcast listeners, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock in this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O dot com, so airdoctorpro.com, and use the promo code BIRTHFUL. And we are back talking with Ellie Taylor about postpartum adjustments and expectations, and especially during these times of COVID. So once you've managed your expectations, I think it's it's a great idea to first understand what the expectations, how they need to be adjusted, and then take a step to figure out how you can do that. And I find one of the biggest challenges right now is that you have extra layers of stress and anxiety that create extra layers of unregulation. So it's really hard to figure out what you need, you know, kind of like what you were saying, you're disconnected with your own needs and not paying attention that you needed to go to the bathroom or that you needed to eat because you were so focused on your baby. I think right now people are having a hard time also being focused on the external world and the anxieties of the future, right? Future focus anxiety of how long is this going to last? How bad is it going to be? What's life going to look like in a bit? And how is that? First of all, what thoughts do you have regarding that in terms of what people can do to help address those feelings during postpartum? And then how does that affect communication and conflict with between the partners? Okay, beautiful questions. Um, I think the first is to recognise that anxiety during this time is absolutely normal. Um, You know, we're all a little anxious or a lot anxious about um, what's going on. And anxiety is a perfectly normal human reaction to the unknown. So I think accepting that it's normal and that we're all going through it um, is the place to start. Um, Anxiety and interestingly, um, new parents are more at risk for anxiety anyway. So even before the pandemic, we had one in three mothers and about one in five dads having to cope with increased anxiety before the pandemic. So, again, it's bringing light to an issue that new parents were having to cope with even before this crisis. Now the rest of the world is having to cope with that increased anxiety about the unknowns. Um, but anxiety, so I guess it's accepting that anxiety is 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 is, is normal maybe limiting exposure of what's going on outside that we can't control anyway. So I've actually stopped watching the news. I I mean, I I wasn't a big news watcher before now, but I've really limited um, news coverage because it's not helpful. Um, And in some cases it's, it's quite harmful. Uh, So limit the coverage so that you're not, it's not in your face all the time. And then knowing how to manage anxiety, both, in ourselves and between us and our partner because one of the effects of anxiety is that it creates uh, tension and with tension become comes you know more potential for conflict and and disagreements and 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 arguing and that sort of thing and that can affect the baby um you know when we're tense when we're, we're and when there's discord between us and when there's arguing between parents, that, that that can affect babies. You know, babies can tend to be fussier and harder to settle when they're picking up those sorts of vibes. Um, but it's also something that we can, can learn to manage. Mm-hmm. So then in terms of the communication and conflict, what are some tools that they can have to figure out how to not be basically at each other's throats, right? Because when tensions run high and everything's new and you feel like maybe you have no idea what you're doing, which is kind of goes hand in hand with postpartum, 
it can get really hard not to just blow your top and get to the that really limbic system, right, to your emotional system um, instead of that rational mind. Absolutely. I think the first thing and one of the most important things to do is to not blame your partner. This pandemic is not their fault. <laughs> you know, it's not their fault that um, the postpartum period is tough. It's not their fault, you know, that you're cooped up inside. It's 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 not their we tend to blame others when when we're under stress and when we're in conflict it's kind of a natural human reaction and and almost part of that fight or flight to focus on the other person as the enemy and to either want to run from them or to fight them so i think understanding that part of that limbic system response that you've just described is to want to focus on somebody else as being a threat when they're not so we're all in this together. They are being just as stretched and challenged and having to cope with a crazy worldwide situation as we are. And I think recognising that they're not the enemy and that it's really important for us to pull together and support each other through this rather than blame them for a situation that's completely out of their control. What we can control, however, is our own responses and reactions to stress. So, you know, we can be willing to talk things through rather than, you know, yell at our partner and call them names or blame them. And that's the only thing that we've got control over actually in all of this is ourselves. And that's tough when you're sleep deprived and it's tough when you, you know, focused on meeting your baby's needs, which is why self-care is really important. And I think the first, the first thing that we need to address is that we're more likely to be able to not blame our partners and control our own responses if we have got self-care than if we don't. And I think we need to clarify self-care a little bit because it isn't necessarily, like for a lot of people, self-care is having, even going for a regular massage, right? That's not possible right now. Um, Or carving out the time to go out for coffee. What are some options that people have? What what does self-care during pandemic, what can that look like? It's going back to absolute basics. And so absolute basics are things like good quality nutrition. You know, if you're eating well, you're more likely to be able to cope with anything that's going on. So make sure that, you know, what you're eating has the vitamins, the nutrients, the supplements that that you need and get extra supplemental support if your diet's not good enough. Um, The other thing that we know that's really important to being okay in any way, shape or form is sleep quality. Now, new parents are getting broken sleep and uh, poor sleep quality is, is part and parcel of the postpartum period. But there are some simple things that people can do to help improve their sleep quality. Um, And what we want is for people to be getting at least if they can only get four hours sleep at a time, that it's a good four hours sleep. You know, it's a solid four hours sleep. And so um, eating foods that contain tryptophan before they go to sleep can be helpful. So about half an hour before you try to get some sleep to have, um, you know, like, for example, natural yogurt, honey, almonds, I think warm milk. These sorts of things can promote a, a, a better sleep quality. And then I guess the third thing that can help people to cope is, is exercise. Exercise is a natural antidepressant, anti-anxiety. People can exercise at home, thankfully. Uh, it's hard to do and it's almost counterintuitive that when you're tired to not want to exercise. But exercise we know is good for mental and emotional health and that's something that people can do at home. So I'm and encouraging partners to do the same. So if we are, you know, eating well, sleeping well, exercising as well and resting, that's the other one, you know, giving yourself permission to rest, not using the time when the baby sleeps to clean the house or although that, that can be a, a form of exercise too, but balancing that with rest periods. Another thing too is that can be helpful for people to cope is being creative whatever that means for people, whether that's, um, you know, potting a herb garden or knitting or drawing or painting or dancing, you know, some sort of creative expression can can help with coping and be a form of good self-care. So there's lots of things that people can do even when they're in their home, even when they're isolated and can't reach out to their support system that helps them not just cope 
but also we've talked about connection before but also stay connected to who they are (laughs) you know like I remember just sort of dropping everything to care for the baby and so I let my creative side go I stopped exercising and I know lots of mothers do that too and yet doing those things is a really nice way for us to stay connected to the woman that we are kind of a side of being and I'm doing air quotes now just a mother Um, the postpartum period is kind of really unique for people and couples in determining I guess how the next couple of years are going to play out um, in terms of issues like our self-esteem and our sense of identity and how our relationship is going to be shaped going forward and then how our family is going to be going forward too. That's that's a massive answer to your very simple question, but I guess self-care is the crux of a whole bunch of things that might not be on people's radars now, but that can play out over the next few years going forward. And I love that answer because it has you go back to basics. Um, And I find that that when you approach that self-care or that tuning into what your needs are, with curiosity, one of the things that I've been experiencing during the pandemic is I usually my go to movement is yoga. So that's what I love to do at least once a week and get stretches here and there. And then for the past week and a half, I've found that I have not wanted to do any yoga whatsoever, because my body was asking for more for a bigger release of stress hormones, right, where yoga is very relaxing, I found I couldn't, I needed more sort of liberation than what yoga could give me. So I started doing dance videos and dance exercises and teasing my daughter and, you know, started learning some some TikTok dances. Um, uh-huh. But but if I realized that what I wanted was to move with more with more energy than what yoga was giving me and and I guess less structure right more free will so that's been a a nice introspection and revelation for me of my body wanting to move but in a different way than what I usually give it which goes back to the effect of stress on the body so one of the things um, that we are primed to do For example, when we're having an argument with our partner, you know, the anger comes up and our body is primed to move. You know, the energy, there's this rush of energy through our body that makes us want to flee or want to fight. So recognising that one of the effects of stress is increased risk for conflict, which means that we've got all this stress hormones now, you know, like flowing through our bodies, We'll want to get it out and exercise is a great way to do that which is why it's also an anti-anxiety you know approach so exercise is a great way to get out frustration and irritation and annoyance and anger if we do that on a regular basis it's less likely to build up in our bodies and become a trigger down the track that our poor dear partners are likely to set off so if I'm exercising regularly, you know, and I don't know if it's the case for you in the States, but we are able to exercise here still. So we're able to go for a run. We're able to go for a swim. You know, we are part of our social distancing and self-isolation is that we are at, allowed, I'm doing air quotes, once a day to go out. We are seeing more couples with new babies out together than ever before. And it's absolutely beautiful to see. Is is that possible there? It is. And I had a recently a friend who very much goes to exercise for self-care and was having a hard time with not having the face-to-face or physical contact with her sister, who also just recently had a baby. And I said, well, how far do you live from each other? Like you can drive, and she said 10 minutes, you can drive over. And then you guys can together, social distancing, right? Take a walk six feet apart and converse and seeing your babies and hearing your babies. You know, there's a middle middle of the road. And I guess that leads to my next question is what are some ways that parents can make sure they are supported, supported by their village at this time where that village 
is isolating as well. Usually it's only the, the new family that's isolated, but now we're all isolated. Let's take a quick break first, actually, and we'll come back to that question. We'll be right back. Hey, Mighty One, as you approach the journey into birth and parenthood, now is the perfect time to make your home a serene and nurturing haven with the help of Home Threads. At Home Threads, you'll discover furniture designed for comfort and functionality, from cozy nursing chairs to versatile baby-friendly storage, as well as a super wide array of options to spruce up any room in your house. Home Threads can help make your home the perfect nest for your growing family and at a great value. I so appreciate that wide range of styles that you can find at Home Threads. For example, I was ecstatic when I found a pair of truly stunning mid-century curved walnut dining chairs that somehow perfectly match my home office chair. I mean, what are the chances? These chairs are not only gorgeous in their light green upholstery, but also super sturdy and just so comfortable. I simply adore them. Explore the amazing finds Home Threads has waiting for you. Go to homethreads.com slash birthful and get a code for 15% off your first order. Do make sure to go to our unique URL of homethreads.com slash birthful to get your discount. Home Threads, love where you live. And we are back. So I left that cliffhanger of a question. What are some ways that parents can make sure they are supported by their village at this time that their village is also isolating? Sure. Okay. So there's a couple of ways. Before the break, we were talking about going for a walk. So, you know, if you can go for a walk, you know, in your local area, now's the time to do it. I think to go for a daily walk with the baby as a couple, I would walk to your local park where you might find that there's other couples that are doing exactly the same thing and you can start up a conversation from, you know, a safe distance that this is a place that you could continue to meet after the crisis is over. And you might find that there's, you know, five other couples with babies that live in your neighbourhood that you've never met that are keen to to continue meeting up once the crisis is over. Um, I think other things that couples can do is to help take the stress of trying to do too much other stuff off especially if they've got a new baby you know you can ask uh, friends or relatives that live in the local area to drop you know maybe to drop some food around so that at least you um, don't have to do the meal prep and that can take a little bit of stress and time off that you can spend doing more relaxing or enjoyable things Um, the virtual village has never been more important and um, you know I know that parents are getting a lot of emotional support from Facebook groups, listservs or, you know, email lists or or whatever. And I know a lot of parents that are having regular Zoom catch-ups also with friends and family, which is really nice. Um, You know, I've got three girlfriends. We've all known each other from school and we we try and get together once a month for dinner. Now we're doing it over Zoom and our families can be involved in it too. So, you know, my girlfriends are seeing my kids and one of us got a new puppy that we got to all see. So there's... A number of ways that people can stay connected um, and face to face via, you know, different different social conferencing platforms, um, that I really encourage people to try because they can then be added ways of of having support once the face to face, um, the normal stuff of being able to have a hug and a high five has resumed. You know, really open up to the possibility that. Um, support doesn't necessarily have to be face-to-face that's obviously the best way but it's certainly not the only way absolutely um and i think we we are all having to get really creative with what, what we are doing but i love the idea that going for a walk can connect you even from afar with other people in your neighborhood with whom you can then continue a relationship as things expand and I've also been really encouraged about all the creativity of the traditional support professionals like mental health counselors or breastfeeding cafes or and and by that I mean like breastfeeding groups or postpartum doulas where they move those support groups online so that you can still reach out and 
it's yes it's not the same but you can still reach out and connect with the the village around you locally um that will then afterwards once once we get past being in shutdown or in lockdown um we can once again connect face to face yeah absolutely i just um it's anzac day here recently for us so that's um our day where we um, honor people that have fallen uh, in the wars and normally it would be a public march and everybody would go to the pub and instead of going to the public local war memorial for a dawn service where everybody would gather together they invited us to stand in our doorways or or in our um in our driveways or you know on the street and hold candles and so all our neighbors were lined up in the street holding candles and somebody a number of people in the neighborhood either had could play the um, last post on the trumpet or had a recording of it and it was such a still morning and you could hear the different you know, pieces of music being played in different parts of the neighbourhood and the neighbours just standing there holding candles. It was absolutely beautiful. And I think that that's going to be a new tradition going forward for people who don't want to, you know, get up at 6 o'clock in the morning or 5 o'clock in the morning and go to the dawn service at their local park. And, you know, we got to meet new neighbours after that. We, we, You know, there would be now conversations across the street with neighbours that we really hadn't spoken to before. And, you know, even though we have social distancing, I'm finding that I'm now making an extra effort to make eye contact with people and say hi and good morning when I go for a walk that I wouldn't necessarily have done otherwise. So, you know, there could be some really rich things coming out of this. And that's something that I um, advise new parents to do anyway is to make friends with the people in your neighbourhood because these people potentially are going to be supports for your child as they grow up. And I find that that's a really great point of reaching out even though people have masks like reaching out meaning of saying hello of I've found that when I go I've gone to the supermarket now that we're all wearing masks the feeling is one of anxiety and fear but how that mask has created a a barrier where if you're going to talk to somebody you can feel them like recoil right like (laughs) don't get any close to me and I think it's important for us to continue to connect, even smiling with your eyes, waving, saying hi, just nodding, bringing those little connections back when you do go out, because we can't just let the fear take over. We've got to switch it around. And we do have control over that. That's another beautiful example of something that we do have control over. You know, there's so much that we don't have control over, but we absolutely have control over whether we smile at somebody because it comes through in our eyes, even if they can't see our, you know, our face, and whether we say hi. And, you know, I've been having conversations with people in the bread line. You know, we're all lined up, you know, a metre and a half apart. But I'm just saying, how, you know, how are you going? How are you coping with all of this? And had some really lovely conversations with people. Mm. You were interviewed for a fabulous article that I'm going to sh- link on the show notes about how to avoid parental burnout during isolation. And I want to bring that up because I know I have quite a lot many listeners who have little children, might be pregnant right now, but also have, you know, more than one and suddenly find themselves everybody at home together 24-7. And, and, and so then I'm hearing a lot about parental burnout. What causes parental burnout and what does that look like? Uh, so I think we're all experiencing to some degree or another um, because of the situation at the moment. Um, so parental burnout, I think, was really common before now and, and it's partly a result of expectations and just trying to do you know, way too much with not enough support even before the crisis, but certainly during the crisis crisis now. Um, so normally, you know, we get a break from whatever responsibilities we, we've got. We get a break from those responsibilities. And so, you know, that's how we've been able to avoid burnout before now. Where, you know, we're working, we can come home from work or where we're parenting, we can, you know, tag team with our partner or, or you know, go out with friends and, and have some time out. But people are finding it really hard to carve time out now. And so the stress is constant. And when stress is constant and too much, we'll, we will become burnt out. The effects are mental, uh, emotional and relational. You know, mentally we can be have trouble concentrating. We can't think straight. We can't make decisions. 
um, our memory is affected. Emotionally, we tend to be more up and down. We tend to have mood swings. We tend to get more irritable um, and angrier, um, have a shorter fuse. Uh, Relationship-wise, it's likely to end, you know, contribute to more of the arguments and disagreements that, that we've spoken about. So it, it is real and it is something to be um, to be managed. And anxiety can feed into burnout. So anxiety is a big part of it as well. So what are some things that people can do to minimise the burnout um, and or to recover from burnout? So a lot of the self-care things that we've spoken about are really key. You know, so again, the good nutrition, the sleep quality, the taking a rest, the being creative. Um, people who uh, can compartmentalise tend to cope with burnout a little bit better. So people who can kind of switch off one thing and turn their attention to something else tend to be able to carve out a bit more of a break. So if you can't do that, just, you know, force yourself to do it. You know, like if you're force yourself to take a break time it if you have to you know like I'm going to do this for an hour and then I'm going to have a break and I'm going to tell everybody my partner that I'm having a break or you know whatever and plan for it you know plan to have breaks throughout the day and do something that feeds your soul you know do 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 a yoga class a yoga class do a meditation you know go out and sit in the yard if you've got one, sit in the sunshine, have a cup of tea. Vitamin D is actually really important to help alleviate um, depression. So, you know, having a morning cup of tea in the sun is, a, is a, again, a simple thing that we do have complete control over that can potentially make a big difference. Um, and then there's the couple care stuff. And the couple care stuff means, you know, not taking things personally, not blaming your partner for, for everything, even though it, it's easy to do. Um, and, and supporting your partner to do the self-care stuff too. You know, supporting them in eating well and exercising and paying attention to sleep quality. Oh, another thing for sleep quality too, no screens in bed. That's another simple thing that can make a big difference that we've got control over. Um, having screens in bed at night time can stimulate the brain and that's going to affect um, sleep quality. Mm. What are some other things that people can do to support each other during these times? And I know we were talking a little bit about I statements earlier on before we started recording. Okay, so a really key thing for parents to pay attention to is the way that they relate to their partner. You know, for example, if you start a conversation with a you should, you have to, you never or you don't, you're pretty much guaranteed that the other partner is going to either switch off or become defensive before you've even uttered another word. So you statements are, I, I guess, an invitation for conflict. And yet they're so common. You know, we so many of us use them. I mean, I'm a, supposedly a relationship expert and yet I still find myself <laughs> falling into that particular bad habit with, my, with my, my dear husband. So what we do to get around using you statements, which really do um, trigger conflict, is using what we use, I statements or I messages or I language. And that's taking responsibility for ourselves rather than blaming our partner. So, in, for example, instead of you you never listen to me, you never hear what I'm saying, you don't pay attention, um, it would be something like um, I would really like for you to hear what I'm going to say because our relationship is important to me. And so what I'd like you to know is that and then, you know, whatever the issue is and what I'd really like for us to do is to and then come up with the solution that fits the, you know, or the desire or the need that fits the situation. Um, it's a really tricky skill. It's a skill that can feel really awkward at the beginning and often that awkwardness can mean that things backfire because it's awkward for both the speaker and the listener to, to do. Um, but I find that once you keep doing it and you become used to it, both it's easier for the person who's speaking that way and for the partner who's listening and it becomes a lot more natural and then it becomes a lot more um, normal for conversations to be structured around I messages um, or I statements. And that has a massive reduction of on conflict. 
it also increases um, the ability for your partner to hear you and to respond in a positive way to whatever the request is because with you statements, the request gets lost because the conflict just takes over. Um, it's also a really great way of managing misunderstandings. Misunderstandings, we know from there's a particular piece of research that misunderstandings are very common during the postpartum period and that a woman feeling misunderstood by her partner can increase her risk for postnatal depression. So as much as possible, we want to minimise risks for misunderstandings and using iMessages is a really great way of being very clear and intentional about anything really. Mm. It's a really, really important skill for ideally expecting parents <laughs> to learn and when they've got all that time to practice it before the baby comes, but also a great way to support new parents too. Yes, and especially because it's very easy during the postpartum period to for your needs as a as a new mom to get lost, right? Because it's it's one it's that season of sacrifice, if you will, where you're not putting yourself first. Um which you should, but you don't. And so it, if you're not expressing your needs, they will not get mad. Um and I have found with the I statements that they, it is like you need to try it out because they work fantastically in terms of having yourself be heard and your needs be heard. And also because it switches that, what you were saying, the thing about blame, it switches the angle from blaming somebody else to taking it, it, it's it's a mindful look an introspective look at what you need and how you're feeling so you're connecting with what ha what's happening inside of you and recently i heard um on a, another podcast doc, uh, david kessler mentioned judgment demands punishment and what i find that when we do all the you never you this what we're doing is judging and then if we're judging then there's needs to be a punishment right? Either you punish yourself or, or punish your, your partner. Um, and I say statements are beautiful at flipping, flipping that conversation. And the more you do them, then the more then you realize when you are also out of line and are paying more attention to how you feel and how others feel. So you're more empathetic. Um, I found, I think it was a couple of days ago, we, we've gotten pretty good with I statements between my my husband and I but you know I found that we were getting more on each other's nerves lately and I just I just with a joke I just voiced it I said are we sick of each other yet and we both had a good laugh <laughs> we both had a good laugh but it was just that in a you know just acknowledging that mm, we're it's a little more tense right now than usual what are we going to do about this <laughs> Yeah, it all goes back to awareness, doesn't it? It, re it really all goes back to awareness. And it's funny that you you said the season of sacrifice. That's the first time I've, I've heard that term. And I guess with the work that I do with Becoming Us and our facilitators is, is, is to frame it up so that this period of time is really a period of discovery um, and not about sacrifice at all, but about equipping partners to meet the needs of mums who are in a position where they're giving out so much and really needing to get back more in in, a, in order to keep giving out. So I guess the big difference for us in the work that we do is, is resourcing and supporting dads and partners to be able to come in and meet the needs of mums so that she's not doing it all alone and so that she doesn't get burnt out and so that that time is not just about you know meeting the baby's needs but about raising awareness with both partners about what they need to be happy and healthy because that's the foundation for their family going forward. Mm, and I absolutely love that. And that's how what we all should be doing. I mean, I'd say season of sacrifice just because that's how it tends to be viewed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that and it is a problem. Yeah. And it's a problem. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and it goes both ways. It's equip the partners to support the the birthing person on how to recharge and have their needs met. But but the birthing person also needs to say, these are my needs and recognize them and not go because it is a time when just biologically, especially if you're breastfeeding, you're being asked, more is being asked from you. And it's easy to say, well, I, you can't do it. I'll do it. Right. Yeah. Which goes back to expectations where we started. And that's, you know, you don't know how you're going to feel and you don't know how needy your baby is going to be until you've got them. So, you know, it's, 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 you, you can't expect life to go back to normal and have a new baby. It's just, it's just, it's just not possible. And where we've got couples trying to do that, they're really setting themselves up for failure. It's really about tuning into your baby getting getting becoming aware and you know and 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 used to what they need but then also what you need you know as a mum to cope with meeting your baby's needs and then what you need from your partner for you to cope with meeting your baby's needs and understanding that it's a long game <laughs> this is it goes on for a long time so you have to it has to be sustainable you can't just be giving and giving and giving because it has to be- just as an example most parents aren't aware that baby's peak unsettled time is actually about six to eight weeks so it's not even in the first month postpartum it's you know close to the second end of the second month postpartum so you know so many um couples just plan for the first you know maybe four weeks maybe six weeks but actually it can get really challenging in the month after that Oh, definitely. And then at three months, then their babies are learning new things and discovering the world. And you think, oh, by three months, and that's when it gets even three, four, five, extra spicy. <laughs> yeah. And then things change all again. <laughs> yeah. 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 And when they're 15 years old, no, I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm joking, not joking. Um... <laughs> Why the postpartum period is so crucial for parents and partners to be open to making some fundamental changes with how they do life. You know, some really going back to basics, foundation building stuff with how they do their self-care, their relationship care and, 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 their, and their life because you're laying foundations that are going to support you for the next 15 years. You know, potentially, this is what couples don't realise, but this is what professionals could be working with couples ahead of time. This is what we could be using the prenatal period, the, you know, pregnancy for to equip couples with this knowledge and the skills that go with it to start doing the really fundamental foundation building stuff that's going to see them through not just the next couple of weeks or months, but years and potentially decades. You know, this is the way it would be. Oh, yeah, agreed 100%. And so I think basically our summary is during these postpartum times of COVID, you have to dig even deeper into the preparation of your expectations and communication and relationship building for, like you said, set down those fundamental relationship changes for your new life forever, Um, especially if it's going to take more creativity to bring in your village to support you. So you have to lean in deeper to building that huge connection between the two of you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You just put it. <laughs> <laughs> All, All that, that to say, people, you just need to connect with each other more. No. Um, but well, no. I think, and, and be honest. And I think honesty is a really big part of this. You know, if you're not coping, be honest with yourself that you're not coping and be honest with your partner that you're not coping and be honest about saying, you know, I need your help to, 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 to make this work. You know, I, 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 I need and, and, using the I language to be honest about what you need. And I always get people to practice with themselves, the I statements with themselves, to just check in with themselves that what's going to come out of their mouth is really what they want to say and have those really important conversations with themselves before they share it with their partner or with somebody else. Because that whole reactivity, you know, that whole flight fight, flight response that we spoke about at the beginning, you know, the whole limbic system is the opposite of that. And to turn that, you know, automatic reaction off, it's about having those honest conversations with ourselves and what do we really want and starting there instead. Mm -hmm. Checking in, checking in with your body, 
checking in what yeah. you're feeling to say yeah. your I statement and then communicate that taking the time yeah taking it slow taking some deep breaths you know all the stuff that we know that we should be doing but not necessarily why we should be doing it is the place to start mm. love it Ellie was there anything that you wanted to make sure we said that we didn't get to I don't think so, except that, you know, it's, it's, it's often during times of crisis or challenge where people really get to know themselves and what they're capable of. And I guess I would just ask your listeners to think of this as an opportunity to do just that, to really tune in to you and what you need to be happy and healthy and to start to make steps to put those things in place and to also be curious about what your partner needs to be happy and healthy and how you can make steps towards each other to create that new normal that we're all having to cope with right now. Yay. And if people want to know more of what you do, of your programs, how do, can they connect with you? What are you up to? I guess uh, Becoming Us uh, family website is the best place to start. That's kind of where, where we are and who I am and what we're doing. So it's www.becomingusfamily.com. Um, what I'm doing is I've just created a new professional training for birth professionals to help prepare parents during pregnancy for all of the stuff that we've just spoken about. So if, any, if there's any professionals who are listening, I'd love them to check it out. And what in the program they can find it at becomingusfamily.com. Yes, absolutely. And if parents want to get more, there's a book, Becoming Us, uh, Couple's Guide to Surviving Parenthood and Growing a Family that Thrives. And I would love them to be able to access that too. And it is a fantastic book. I'll link in the show notes also the episode we did a couple of years ago when the first when the book first came out um, or close to that, that we go through like the the tenets of the book in terms of relationship building, which are fantastic and fabulous and the seasons, right? Are you you it, uh, uh, my words are not as great as you would describe them of the well, of the book I think since we spoke last. So it's a new book and uh, it only came out in the middle of uh, last year. So oh. it's all about the journey that the couples go through uh, from pe pregnancy and through the first few years of early parenthood and how to navigate that journey. So um, the, the steps or the stages are the same as the previous book, but, um, but it's a bit more of a, 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 a bit more of a ride, this one. It's the updated version. Fantastic. Very good. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much, Ellie. It's always such a delight to talk with you. Oh, my pleasure, Adriana. I, I'm missing you. I'm missing all my US friends. I was supposed to be coming in June, July um, to do a workshop tour that I did the previous couple of years and to, um, and to be at a conference, but that looks like that's not going to happen, sadly. So I don't know when I'll get there next, but I love it there. And I love all my friends there. And I'm thinking of you. You're in our, you're in our news um, when I watch it, <laughs> not necessarily every night, but when I do watch it, you're, you're right up there in our news. So I know that... Uh, there's lots of people that are struggling there, but I want them to know that there's hope and that there's help and please reach out for it. Mighty One, find the in-depth show notes for this episode at birthful.com, where you can also learn more about me, the show, send me messages and more. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. Oh, and Ellie was super amused when I asked her what she had for breakfast. <laughs> I had um, porridge or oats, I guess. Do you, do you call it porridge in the US? Oatmeal. Okay, so I had oatmeal with um, bananas, sultanas, and just a little bit of brown sugar. I also learned that a sultana is a variety of raisin. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so very much for listening. This episode is copyright 2020 by Adriana Lozada. <laughs>